Today, I want to talk about non-monogamous relationships. Yes, all things outside what society calls normal. Welcome to the Liberating Me podcast, the podcast where we talk about love, sex, relationship, and personal growth in the most liberating way. The podcast where you will learn more about who you are and what you can be. Welcome back guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we really have a juicy topic. For some people, it's quite a foreign idea and for some, it is the most interesting and fun topic you could ever explore. So, what is non-monogamous really? According to the Urban Dictionary, non-monogamy means it's a sexual relationship that does not disallow sexual expression or affection with other partners. This may present itself in many forms and many kinds of lifestyles, including but not limited to swimming, polyamory, polygamy, open relationships, or simple couples having an occasional threesome. Okay, take a deep breath, guys. This is different. This is daring. This is new for most, if not all, to some or most of you. So disclaimer alert, I am not in a monogamous relationship or non-monogamous relationship. In fact, I am in a monogamous relationship. So it would be best to bring a colleague of mine in the love-sex relationship coaching realm, Alicia Payne, a non-monogamous coach. So let's just dive in right away by by sharing what is non-monogamy and what does a non-monogamous coach do? Oh, I love this. Um, So non-monogamy is uh, not monogamy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, it's it's a it's an umbrella term for all the things that don't fit under a typical monogamous uh, structure Mm -hmm. for relationships. So it can be um, an open relationship, polyamory, swinging. So it might just be like a sexually open relationship. It might mean Um, a relationship that is emotionally open. It might mean that rather than being in a, a couple that is like primary or held to be a priority, it might be someone who has deep intimate relationships with multiple people and holds themselves as their priority. Uh, Mm. It can be so many things. Yeah. Gotcha. Because it's a lot of many things. And Mm. a lot of my listeners are only familiar with monogamous relationships. So what I'm going to do is give you a type of relationship and you can briefly explain what it is about. Okay. So what is polygamy really? Oh, polygamy is uh, being married to more than one person or having more than one spouse. And how is that different from polyamory? Or I guess what is polyamory? Yeah, yeah. So polyamory is multiple loves, like having multiple love relationships. You know, in most countries, polygamy is not legal. So, so yeah. it's not actually a thing that a lot of people engage in. Uh, and polyamory is uh, much more common. <laughs> gotcha. And how about open relationship? What is open relationship? An open relationship 
really doesn't have, like, it doesn't have like a, a strong definition, but most people who say they have an open relationship are in a sexually open relationship, meaning that they are emotionally committed to each other and have uh, some rules or boundaries around what they do with other people. And usually it means that they engage in sex with others, usually separately. And how about threesomes? Obviously by the word itself, we have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sex with three people. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think that one is like, I don't know, probably the most typical or most uh, like socially acceptable thing that's outside of monogamy that people see or are are presented with, you know? Gotcha. And how about swinging or swingers? So, so a lot of times when people think of swingers, they think of like the old key parties from like the 60s and 70s where a bunch of couples get together and then just swap wives. That's not really what is happening anymore. Nowadays, swingers tend to be often couples that will play together with other couples or they might play separately. It might be uh, swapping partners. It might just be having sex in the same room. Uh, there, there, it's there. There are a lot of things that can fall under swinging. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, well, I'll try to explore that a little bit more later on. Yeah. But how about group sex? What, um, by the word itself, obviously, it's a collective group of people. But what, what is group sex, and how it's, how does it go down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely qualify threesomes under group sex. You know, I mean, anything more than two is, is group sex. Sometimes I like to say that anything more than one is group sex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it can be any amount of people, uh, threesomes, foursomes. It could be an orgy with 10 people. It could be, um, three people having sex and two people watching. It, It could be any combination. Okay. So we'll just go back a little bit with threesomes because this is a question a lot of people, at least that I know of, is so curious. If if there is one girl and two boys, how what is the focus on that threesome? How does it go down? And things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The focus really depends on what everybody wants and what they're there for. I think it's super important. Um, before engaging in any like group scenario is to ask questions and talk and figure out why everybody is there and what they're hoping to get out of the situation. You know, the typical porn situation is one girl getting it from both ends from two guys, right? But there can be so many more combinations of that. Um, That porn scenario, first of all, uh, assumes that everybody's heterosexual. (laughs) That's true, that's true, yeah. Um, so yeah, it can be any combination. It could be, um, one of the things that I love is you can create boundaries before going into that situation. It might be that one person only wants oral and doesn't want any sort of penetration or only wants to play with hands or, you know, like, like there are lots of different ways that that can be, be structured and having a conversation around what people want, what their desires are, and what kind of things they really don't want is super important. That's that's interesting because 
I accidentally end up in a threesome, but we're all women. And what's interesting is that I decided, and for a lot of listeners, especially from my culture, they'd probably be like, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> and for me at that time, it's just like an exploration. Like I've met like a girl and she has this fantasy that she just want to they do they want an audience right mm. and so I'm like yeah sure I can be an audience no problem I'll just sit there and watch and then along the way of being an audience they included me and I think that's for me it's like it got so confusing for me because I because there's no conversation around I'm gonna get in, involved or included like the, our only conversation was okay, I'm just going to be your witness. I'm just going to be your audience. So here I am being invited. And then I start asking myself, okay, I have to be a good team player. I have to engage. I have to participate. And I think ultimately I ruined the experience for them because it's just so new to me. Like, I just don't know how to navigate it. Right. And so for me, you're right. It's very important to have a conversation, how it's going to go down. What are the boundaries? Who Who's willing to receive what? <laughs> All mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So another thing that I want to explore too is the swingers I've or swinging. I've never done it before, but we have a friend, me and my husband have a friend we're in. He likes to participate that type of um, activity with his girlfriend and he's the girlfriend is not really familiar to it and from my understanding is that they're just gonna like what you said previously swap partners right so what are the boundaries how does it usually look like for the most common thing you've noticed when people do swinging or get involved into swinging there's two things that i see very often one mm-hmm. is that couples want to only play together meaning that like they stay in the same room, they can see each other, you know, they're not going to another room with one of the, with one of the other people and they're, they're really staying together. The other one that I see a lot is where they don't want to play together. Meaning that like either they don't want to see the other person having sex with someone else, or, you know, like that might just throw them off emotionally, or uh, it might be distracting for them. And so those are like the two things that I see either couples will like one couple, two couples will get together and they will swap partners and then go on their separate way, maybe to different bedrooms or different rooms in a club, or they will all stay together. Those are probably the most common things that I see. And usually I feel like when people are starting out in swinging, it feels a lot more comfortable to stay together and, and kind of have your person with you. And then as they become more experienced and really learn what it is that they enjoy and what it is that they don't enjoy, then their guidelines or their rules or boundaries start to shift and flow into what feels most authentic for them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a really good <laughs> idea now I have like a better idea how it goes down but one other thing that I'm so interested and curious is group sex like a group orgy because from my experience in that threesome is it's so hard to concentrate sexually to Mm -hmm. myself and to the other person that I'm engaging with when I know there's another this third person is being left out I'm starting to think is she okay is she feeling left out does she feel included and so it really 
extract me from the experience of pleasure. And so in the setting of group sex or of group orgy, like three or more, how do they really find pleasure or how can they even concentrate on that kind of setup? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think genuinely threesomes are probably one of the hardest because human beings naturally pair off, right? Gotcha. Like, like, like when you're having sex with one person, it's very clear where your focus is supposed to go and who your attention is supposed to be on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. When you start adding more people, it it can be a little more, uh, you know, your mind, you're having to pay attention and be tracking more people. I think it's important to be mindful of everyone in the room, but that might just be like reaching a handout, you know, like, like in, in this instance where you were talking about where you felt like one person might be feeling left out or excluded. If you just reach a handout, that can be, that right there can be like way more than enough. Right. When you start adding more people, I think it actually gets easier. Mm-hmm. Because there's something for everybody to do. I mean, in any situation, there's something for everybody to do, but it, it starts to become more clear, actually. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes sense because you're right. Having just threesomes is the hardest because there's always one person odd out. Whereas for a group, you know, you can decide whether you want to subgroup into two people yeah. or if you want to subgroup into three people or if you want to switch partners along the way. So that made total sense for me. So, wow, thank you so much for going over (laughs) that with me so quickly. So as a non-monogamous coach, what do you think are the turning points for monogamous couples and shifting gears and wanting or desiring non-monogamy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so again, there's, I have two answers. (laughs) Yeah, totally, fire it away. (laughs) There's two things that I see often. The first one is when a couple has, usually they've been together for quite a while, their relationship might be rocky, or it might be really great with the exception of a couple of things, like they might not be having sex anymore, and think like, oh, well, like everything else is great, let's just open our relationship, we'll get sex from somewhere else, um, and we can maintain what works well in our relationship. The other scenario that I see a lot is a couple who just have a really solid foundation. They have a good relationship and have a desire to experience other things. You know, they, they might be in a situation where they're like, I'm committed to you and I don't want to live the rest of my life never experiencing sex with another person, right? (laughs) Yep, I totally relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think- Either, either one of those can work really, really wonderfully. And there's lots of other reasons that people open their relationships. Uh, sometimes it's that one half of the couple falls in love with someone and, and just is really honest with their partner saying like, hey, I, I love you and I also love this other person. What can we do about that? Gotcha. <laughs> That's true. You've mentioned yeah. something really interesting a while ago that non-monogamy can be just emotionally available for someone else and you've shared to me previously your webinar around how to build a strong non-monogamous relationship like what are the basic foundations and what I've really picked up around that is that in a relationship in a monogamous relationship you always expect your partner to be your only person to be like your playmate your husband your your baby daddy your your 
financial um, umbrella, you know, your financial comfort, all of these roles. And it's a lot to take in. And I'm curious if a relationship, if it's possible for a relationship to open up the relationship in a non-very sexual way. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have this kind of this like social story that if you're in love, then that person is going to be your everything. And if you lean on other people emotionally or you want to spend too much time away, then there must be something wrong with the relationship, (laughs) which isn't true. Like we are human beings are, we have a need for connection, for human connection. We're, Mm -hmm. we are animals that need community. Right. And really when you can start when you can disentangle a relationship to where you have a good set of close friends and you have support from family and you have, you know, family or friends, you have hobbies outside of your relationship. The relationship itself is just going to be so much more fulfilling because there's space. Yeah. Um, And yeah, you can totally open your relationship and have it be an emotion where you have an emotional love connection with somebody else, whether there's sex involved or not. I mean, there are, plenty of people out there who are asexual or kind of gray sexual who who really aren't interested in sex but definitely fall in love with people so that's that's totally a thing well i would like to just it feels validating to hear that's possible because me and my husband i'm just very open with him with the work that i do and with my own journey towards my sexual liberation and one of the things that I've noticed is pe- just because I talk to other men online and when I have conversations with other men online, I would just tell them like, you know, I'm not really looking for anything sexual. I'm not looking to date. I just want to really just chit chat and really just have a platonic friendship with them or a platonic interaction. We were once asked if we're in an open relationship because of that kind of setup. And when I heard you say a lot of people in a monogamous relationship, you expect your partner to be your everything when that's too much of a burden to like to carry on for one, just for one partner. And so I was looking at my husband and I, and he's such a quiet guy. And sometimes I'm just too much of an energy for him. Right. I just constantly like bombard him with questions with random rants and then plan a life with him and so now I was telling him yeah I'm just going online to drain my energy to other people so don't you don't have to receive them and get pushed out of your center just because you're not giving me what I want which is attention and care (laughs) and and for me that when you have shared that and you're I'll link the webinar in YouTube in our description box I think it's really important to understand that in a relationship, that's a lot to take on. And when you choose, when someone chooses a pattern of non-monogamy, it doesn't have to be sexually engaging. It can be emotionally engaging. And when emotionally engaging, it doesn't have to be you falling in love with someone else, right? It could be just like a connection or a friendship. It could be that. And so I'm curious, what do you think people's most common misconception about non-monogamous relationship? Yeah, yeah, that's it, right? Like, like I think people assume that it's just about having sex with a lot of people, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> and yeah, really, right. I, I genuinely think what it's about, like the most important piece of it is intentionally and consciously creating a relationship or relationships that work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah. really putting, putting thought and energy into making sure that all of your relationships feel good for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how would a couple identify which category of non-monogamous uh, relationship they would need to start considering if they're wanting to open up their relationship? They would want to really dig into what their desires are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like what is, I mean, the first thing is to create a structure, create a container where it's safe and okay to talk about your fantasies and your desires and the things that you are even just considering, right? Like this doesn't have to be something threatening for me to tell you that I have fantasies about gangbang. Like (laughs) it doesn't mean it has to happen, but can we talk about it and let it be in the air between us and something that we, we figure out where we both want to be and what we both want and how we can come together in a, in a, I don't, I don't like the word compromise, but like, how can we negotiate and come to a place where we're both really happy with what we're doing? And that Mm -hmm. might mean having lots and lots of conversations about all the different facets of non-monogamy and then going, actually, I really just want to chat with people online and stay physically monogamous. Or it might mean I don't want to have sex with randos I just, I, but I really want to fall in love with a couple of people and I'd like to explore that. Or it might mean we just want to go to a party once a month and have sex with, with other people and then go back to our normal life. It can be any of those things. I mean, so many things like, like, yeah, That's <laughs> there's a lot. so yeah. many options. <laughs> but what are the benefits of switching to non-monogamous uh, setup in a relationship? I mean, the first one for me that comes to mind is sex because that was really my driving point. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, um, <laughs> but I, I really think it's the biggest benefit is the amount of growth and self-awareness that you have to lean into. That you mm-hmm. have to, you have to be really aware of who you are, why you want the things you do, why you love the person in front of you why you're in a relationship, what is really sitting at the core of who you are and your desires. And generally in monogamy, you know, you, you find the one you get married and then you kind of fall into a rut of doing the same thing for 20 years. And there's nothing, you know, uh, unless you have some sort of upheaval, some, something that happens there's nothing really driving you to dig deeper and become more self-aware in relationship Uh, and non-monogamy really pushes that. Well, that's a good point because a lot of people or a lot of couples, if they're together for so long, they get complacent, right? Like Mm -hmm. they get too comfortable. They just, this is like this for the last God knows how long, why would I change? They never really ask deeper questions and what is it do I want in a relationship? Why do I need to change when what's in front of me right now is working? Whereas if there's another person or another kind of setup that's being brought to your attention, 
And that's when a person is kind of like, okay, I have to step up my game and get to know more myself, identify what is it my desires in order for me to safe keep my relationship. So that's that's a really good point because for me and my husband, we didn't have to go to non-monogamy in order to grow, but because of the work that I do, I kind of like demanded the growth. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we can't be like this. I don't want it to be like this. But at the same time, he understands that I'm the type of person who just wants to connect, who just wants to be out there. And it's just something important for me. And even if it means I would be texting a random stranger, just chatting about my day, he doesn't see it as as cheating or he doesn't see it as me having a full-blown relationship with another human being he's just seeing is that's just one of my emotional needs and he doesn't have to feel the pressure to fulfill it right and I'm curious who do you think will not benefit from non-monogamous relationship mm, the, you know I definitely don't think non-monogamy is for everyone like like monogamy is such a valid relationship structure that works so well for so many people there are a couple of things where I wouldn't recommend I mean there's a lot of a lot of instances I wouldn't recommend non-monogamy but some things that make it more challenging are having a lot of kids is, is one, just time management, being aware of how much time you have for more people. There are, you know, if you're struggling with a lot of mental health issues, non-monogamy is just going to be more challenging because of that. Totally doable. And just it like, it's, it's taking it to the next level of challenge. Yeah. What else? Time and security. I think um, if you're a very insecurely attached person who gets really anxious about your partner, yeah, yeah, who, who gets really anxious or um, scared about their partner would really want to work on their personal sense of security, their, their attachment to themselves, because that is another thing that can make it more challenging. Yeah. Gotcha. And as a monogamous, a non-monogamous coach, what is it that you really do and how do you help your clients navigate this space? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I have clients, I work with couples, I work with individuals, I work with, I've worked with a triad, usually, and, and it's not like people who, it can be people who are already monogamous, already non-monogamous, or who are monogamous, and thinking about opening their relationship. Thus, I do the same thing with all of them, which mm -hmm. is helping them really get secure in their attachment to themselves to feel a really deep sense of love and value for themselves, because that is the, the foundation that is going to support them no matter what happens in their relationship, right? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so building their, their personal foundation, working with connection tools with their partners, working with communication tools, yeah. So really uh, what I do is I just, I hop on Zoom and I sit with the person and figure out what it is that they desire, where it is that they want to go. And then we work towards getting there. Gotcha. And what type of individuals or couple usually come to you for help for like, I need, I need guidance. <laughs> yeah. Again, two come to mind. Okay. <laughs> so it's either people who are who have been in a long-term relationship and have been monogamous and want to open their relationship or have this idea that opening their relationship is the solution to whatever it is, whatever challenge they're working with, right? 
And so I will work with them on one, is opening your relationship actually the solution that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. If it is, then how do we do that? How do we create a plan towards getting you there in a way that feels safe and secure and you get to have the fun and adventure that you're looking for? The other most common people that I'm working with are people who are already non-monogamous and are running into challenges that they they just aren't sure how to how to navigate. Mm-hmm. Right. They like they definitely want to be non-monogamous. They don't want to like close Pandora's box and go back. And yeah. they are dealing with, you know, like jealousy or insecurity or even just like structural like management issues. Like we can't find enough time for each other. And so I help them navigate those. Wow. That's that's a lot of things <laughs> for people <laughs> and for you. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And As we wrap up our conversation today, if listeners want to follow your work and want to learn more about the work that you do, how are they going to find you? How are they going to reach you? Yeah. So um, AliciaPayne.com is my Mm -hmm. website and I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I've got some videos on YouTube and uh, on my website, I have a class, um, a go at work at your own pace course on creating intentional group sex scenarios. Fun. That's fun. Yes, it's super fun. And I have um, a ton of free resources. Like uh, the webinar you referred to was uh, five keys to building freedom and security in your open relationship. Uh, a ton of things like that. Wow. I mean, just wow. If you enjoyed that conversation and if you want to learn more about Alicia, I'll be adding her information in the description box below. I hope you learned something new as much as I did. This conversation is all about educating you and me of what other relationship type people have. I hope this opened your mind that anything is possible in your relationship and what's normal is based on what is your normal and not what society's dictation of normal. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Again, this is Francis, your host, and thank you for tuning in. Until next time.